0: Welcome to the Swift Healthcare video podcast, exploring the intersection of healthcare and leadership, hosted by Dr. Patrick Swift. SwiftHealthcare.com is your resource for healthcare professionals to find coaching and consulting to engage, restore, and transform yourself and your organization. And now, here's your host, Dr. Patrick Swift. Welcome, folks, to the SWIFT Video Podcast. I'm delighted that you're here, and we have a tremendous guest, that I'm delighted to welcome Dr. Dyke Drummond. Dyke, welcome to the SWIFT Video Podcast. Hey, Patrick. Great to be here. Folks, let me introduce uh, Dr. Drummond quickly. Dr. Dyke Drummond is a Mayo-trained family practice physician, burnout survivor, I believe he's said twice, executive coach and founder of TheHappyMD.com. He teaches simple methods to, listen to this, he teaches simple methods to lower stress, build more life balance, and a more ideal practice. Who doesn't want more of that? He has over 3,000 hours of physician coaching experience. Since 2010, he's also been delivering live burnout prevention training to over 40,000 physicians on behalf of 175 corporations and associations on four continents, Dr. Dyke Drummond, welcome to the Swift Video Podcast. Hey, Patrick. So, uh, um, Dyke, today we're going to be talking about um, uh, physician leadership. Um, And in my notes here, how to lead physicians and how a physician can be a leader. And I'll share with you folks that I wish I had known about Dr. Drummond's work, uh, his work um, uh, years ago. I wish I knew then what I know now and what I've learned from him being a, a former A senior leader in a hospital, um, the techniques and strategies and wisdom he imparts is very helpful. Whether you're a physician or your physician leader, uh, or you're a healthcare executive, or you work alongside physicians, this information he's going to share with you applies directly to your life. As I said earlier, lowering stress, building more life balance, and a more ideal practice, a more ideal life. So, with that, Dyke, uh, let's talk about physician leadership. Awesome. So, um, how about if how about if we start with just What's your why? How did you get into this in the first place?
1: Well, I've always been involved with leadership. Um, If I don't take the lead, it gets projected upon me and my leadership outside of healthcare and before I was a physician is uh, from playing competitive rugby. So I played rugby for 23 years and on all but, uh, all but just a couple of those years, I was captain of whatever team I was playing for at the time, all the way through med school and residency and out into my practice. And uh, rugby is about as close as you can get to sort of an, a battlefield experience, right? Because you're really going out there in a place where you're going to go at it. It's like being a gladiator. Sometimes people will say that. So what you have to do is trust, have each other's back have a positive culture that can withstand the heat of uh, the challenges of being behind when you only got five minutes left and maybe you can pull it out, that kind of stuff. And um, what I found is that the the relationships that you can build on a rugby team can last a lifetime. Mm. So I want to take a
0: highlighter. I want to highlight, you said relationships because yeah, when you talk right. about gladiators and rugby and things like that, some folks may get right. turned off saying, oh, this is like two bros talking. and Oh. And, and and what you're where you're I know you and and it's re- I, you said relationship right as part of that battle
1: so um, please go on but it's that that uh, relationship that's key to it as well right Well uh, sports are about trust team sports are about trust and about uh, understanding the highest and best use of the skills of the people that are on your team because we're talking about an amateur team I'm not talking about professional athletes or anything like that yeah, yeah. right still trust and, and so now even now, uh we go to the rugby reunion in indiana university every few years so by the way one of my players when i played rugby was my second row was mark cuban and it is that mark cuban that you're wow. thinking about when i say his name wow. so we go back we love each other we remember those days even though it was just four years way back in the 1970s uh-huh. and 80s nice. so so my experience comes from rugby leadership and what I, what I saw and what I see in healthcare is a couple of things. Number one, an organization that employs a whole bunch of doctors and needs to take responsibility for the care and feeding of a herd of physicians, mm. that kind of an organization is a very recent development in human history. Now, there used to be hospitals where doctors would be on staff and they'd come and go. But if your hospital system now employs those doctors and controls all of their working conditions, who you hire and fire, the facilities, the materials, how they charge, how they get their appointments booked, all that is now controlled by you. It's a very, very recent experience in human history. And I'm just appalled, appalled at the state of the culture of a lot of these organizations. One of the observations that I'll make is that in front of a whole room full of doctors. Now I'm used to having two or 300 doctors in front of me and teaching them about burnout. And one of the questions I often will answer is I'll say, hey, if your receptionist came back to you in the middle of a work day and said, hey, the boss is in the waiting room, wants to see you between uh, some patients here. If your boss showed up unexpectedly, raise your hand if that's a good thing. Guess how many hands go up? Yeah. Zero. What? Why is it not a good thing? The boss is showing up because you're in what? Trouble. Trouble. And if the only time you see your boss is when you're in trouble, that's an absolute failure of leadership. But I have only very rarely had a person and I've talked to tens of thousands of doctors and asked this question. I've only very rarely, rarely had a person say, yes, my boss there, that would be a good thing. And if you're a boss, the only way you know this, I call it the look up trust test, walk onto a ward winger service and put yourself in the, in the line of sight of a physician who doesn't expect to see you today and watch what their eyes do. They either look at you and say, well, Hey Dyke, what are you doing here? Do what do I owe this unexpected pleasure? Or they look down at their toes and say, oh shit, what did I do now? And 99 times out of hundred, they're going to do the latter.
0: Yeah. Well, let me, let me jump in by saying that what you're saying is true. And I also want to uh, as a former hospital CEO, there are people like me who would pick up the phone and call my physicians and check in on them and round on the unit and uh, units and, and check in with them and ask them, do you have what you need? Is there anything I can do for you? So there are healthcare executives, I'm a member of the American College of Healthcare Executives, a fellow, so there are those of us who do it, but I wanna acknowledge that unfortunately it's a minority and we can do a hell of a lot better for everyone. And you're, we're talking about how do you lead physicians? Because we're also going to talk about how does a physician lead. But so how does one lead physicians in a way that is a win-win for everyone?
1: Well, a couple of things. First of all, you have to have great respect and great awareness of what, what a physician is in a spiritual sense. Hmm. And what we do in Let's a get physical- spiritual and what we do in a physical reality sense, what our day-to-day practice is. So the story I tell goes like this, each of us who's a physician, each of us who's in healthcare, each of us stood at one point at a fork in the road where we were at a choice point. We could choose to go into medicine, and in my case, go to medical school, or we could do anything else. And this is where all of our friends said, you're nuts, I'm going to do something else, see you later. And we decided to go to medical school because we were different. We have different personality traits, workaholic, superhero, lone ranger, perfectionist. We got the grades, we worked hard, and we wanted to be a helper, and a healer, and a light worker. And we didn't know it, but... At that point in time, what we chose to be was a light worker. We chose to ally our professional life to the forces of light in the universe as they battle very specific forces of darkness, illness, suffering, death, dying, and family members' crazed attempts to deal with those things. Mm. So we're going to be locked in a battle. We'll always lose. because All of our patients are going to die sometimes, hopefully as rarely as possible, we're going to kill them, even though we aren't trying to, we're going to get wounded along the way. And we set ourselves up for burnout in the choice because we can put the patients first to the point that we tip ourselves into burnout. That's a spiritual foundation of what we do. And it gets lost in the training process, which yeah, is bas- it can
0: also, it can also sound hopeless. It can also sound hopeless. And and there's that tear de Chardin quote. We're not human beings having spiritual experiences, but spiritual beings having human experiences. And the soul of what you described will drain the soul, is a crushing experience to go through. And yet,
1: there is a message of hope in here as well. Right, Dave? Well, what I'll say is that in making this decision to be a light worker, what you've said is, I stand. I, I stand at the edge and I'll be there with you, even though I know I'm gonna get hurt in the process and along the way, I'll yeah. take the responsibility, I'll take the hit and I'll come back again. The challenge is from a spiritual perspective, you can see that, but the culture doesn't support it, right? We, we If we have a medical error, we're gonna blame, we're gonna shame, we're gonna sweep things under the rug, we're gonna have trouble coming back from our own perfectionist. We, we, we think that we should be perfect all the time and never make mistakes. Our own humanity disappoints us. Or there's gonna be a medical center's culture in
0: which the leadership say, we are a blame-free culture, but the reality is something entirely <laughs> different in which HR and uh, the culture is not aligned. And there are institutions that truly embrace a blame-free culture, that truly do and RCA, and take a look at what do we do and how can we do better as the as the system. Uh, we we were talking, Dike, earlier. We weren't recording it, but acknowledging that Lean and Six Sigma can be used as a weapon, right, as opposed to really improving things for patient care outcomes. Win win for everyone. But we're I digress. We're talking about
1: how to lead physicians and how physicians can be leaders. Right. And, and and when it comes to being a leader of physicians, it helps if you're a physician, but that doesn't, not necessary doesn't give you a free pass. It does help if you're a physician, just like it helps if a person who commands a battle battalion in a live fire war has been in war before, right? Uh, So you have to understand what we do. What I say is, look, if you've never had somebody fill your shoes with amniotic fluid, you probably don't understand what we do. And you can't have a physical understanding. But you have to have great sympathy, great empathy for the choice that we made and the people we're trying to be, the lightworkers we're trying to be, and the fact that any system will impede our ability to make the difference we chose to make it the light workers fork in the road. So no matter whether you're a physician or not, you must round on your people. You must shadow your people. This is the single largest leadership error. And I would say sin of omission in leadership, especially in healthcare, is that leaders will sit in the ivory tower and look at spreadsheets and get hypnotized into thinking that the spreadsheet represents the reality in the front line. You know, there's a phrase, People say it so fast, you don't get it. They say the map is not the terrain. Let me just be really clear. Looking at a map of a mountain is very different than climbing to the top of the mountain and back. Looking at a spreadsheet of physician performance has nothing to do with what's going on on the front line. And if you look and slow things down, as a lean person, you know this. If you look at medical errors, a huge portion of a medical error is always systemic. It's always about the system of care the doctor is embedded in. Yet it's so easy to blame the doctor when shit, when shit happens and they're compensating for a crap system and they get in trouble. Yeah. So, and, and let me just say real quick, if you're a leader and you're in your ivory tower and a physician comes to you, they're always upset. So what you do is you see nothing but whining doctors telling you you've got shit for brains pounding the table and storming out of your office. So even if you've been a doctor in the organization for 30 years and you get promoted to a leadership position, within weeks you hate doctors. Because all you do is see the ones that are complaining. You have to get out. and build A generalization
0: the le- with truth in it.
1: You have to get out and you have to build relationships and and shadow and round on your people so you understand what's going on, even if you were a doctor for decades. Yeah. I was part of an organization
0: that was rolling out initiative to formalize that rounding, number one, because it wasn't happening. And when we were formalizing it, it became a checkbox process. And it speaks to what you just said, Dyke. And at the same time, in defense to of healthcare administrators having been one and being a healthcare executive, the executives are also doing, they're doing more and more with less and less as the clinicians and physicians are doing more and more with less and less. Mm -hmm. But that is no excuse for healthcare executives and leaders to not round. It's really about connecting And, and it gets back to relationships. Trust. It gets back to trust. So let's also but, talk uh, hang, about hang
1: on hang on just a second. go ahead make I, your uh, point Patrick. and then
0: we'll we'll get to how a physician can be a leader but please make your point. Yep.
1: Yeah. What we're driving to is this in order to have a functional organization that takes the best care of the patients you have to take care of the physicians and staff. Leadership's job is to put the, le- the physicians and staff first. You, you cannot put the patient first too, but if you take good care of your people and you put your people first, they will take good care of the patients. There was a book written several years back called Patients Come Second. And some people go apoplectic when I say patients come second. It's on my shelf. But if you are a leader, you must put your people first. Somebody's gotta have their back so they can put the patients first. Yeah,
0: to underline your point, the healthcare executive and healthcare leader who's not treating patients, who can they most impact? It's the people on their team, right? It's it's the physicians, it's the staff, it's taking care of the people who are taking care of the patients. And if you've got that backward, you're gonna have worse outcomes, I sincerely believe. And um, uh, not doing the kind of light work, we're talking spirituality earlier, that we're called to do so. So how do physicians um, I, like you were gonna to touch on how
1: a physician can be a leader and, and use these skills as well? Well, physicians are leaders, but they're not taught how to lead. So I remember, and again, it's a very, very top-down, very, very command and control system. And if you'll fill in the blanks with me, we'll play a little games, right? This is, this, is physician, <laughs> this is physician leadership one-on-one. The doctor gives what? Care. Orders, okay. <laughs> the The team does what? Comes to work. I'm kidding. They they they, they execute the orders. It's an it's an O, but it's an O word. Obey, and the patient does. Oh my what? God, obey! Well, that's like a like a like like. Come on, man. No, that's, but I'll I'll play with you. Okay, they the obey, patient, and the patient. And if they does don't it?
0: obey, something goes wrong, and that's not right. So yes, they need to follow orders and not practice out of scope.
1: We say follow orders because we're hoping that the nurses won't say obey cuz they know that it's a command and control mechanism right and the patient is supposed to what it starts with a c comply okay. and the thing the thing Hold is i've i've never yet Convalesce. i've never yet met a doctor who can tell me they took a leadership class in medical school or residency right where did you learn how to do this well i'll tell you how i learned I was at Mayo, right? So you got the attending, you got the chief resident, three residents, intern, and me, the medical student on the back end of the line. And this was one of those ones I was on a neuro rotation. I was given a patient, I presented. I worked up the patient, presented them to the team. And when the team had left, it was just me and the intern standing there. And the intern said, aren't you gonna write orders? I said, what are you talking about? Say, write the orders to treat the patient. I said, "What? I have no idea what you're talking about. What are you talking about? He said, write the orders for the nurses. And I looked over at the desk and there was a battle ax nurse with her arms crossed, giving me stink face. Right. And it's like, fortunately he, he relented, pulled out the double carbon yellow sheet. And at the top of the sheet, it said physician's orders. That's how I learned to lead as a clinician. So, and that's no real way to lead and have relationships. You didn't yeah. learn it. Yeah. It's, 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 it's uh, frozen in time. Um, your team won't even take action in many cases, unless you've given them an order, which puts a lot of pressure on the physician. Your, your, your people can't, um, contribute in the way they they want to. That's like me on the rugby team, not letting my my guys run. (laughs) Don't move until I tell you what to do. How in the world is that gonna do? It turns rugby into a chess match you always lose, right? So the question is this, I think the question you're asking me is not how do I lead a clinical care team giving orders and having my team obey or the patient comply in the standard format. What you're talking about is in practice, when you're out in practice, the thing that drives you crazy is people bring you all sorts of questions about stuff that doesn't have anything to do with clinical medicine, right? What we're talking about is administrative leadership functions, right? So what do I, how do we do this system in the practice? I don't know, I'm in the room with the patient. What you have to understand is you're not qualified to answer most of the questions that come your way. So when you notice that someone's asking you a leadership question that doesn't have anything to do with clinical medicine, you must take your doctor hat off and learn to lead, not by giving orders that you're not qualified to give, not by giving orders but learn to lead by asking questions. Questions. and the most important thing for you to do to build the trust and the relationships on your team and again everybody knows they're supposed to be doing it and in my experience surveying big crowds of doctors it's only about five percent the most important thing to do is before you start seeing patients huddle 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 with your team and some of the questions you're going to want to ask them is how you doing does anybody have it, something they want to celebrate? Yeah, little, my little Johnny just won the book report award in second grade. Awesome. High five all around, although it's going to be elbow bumps now, right? So ask those questions. Thank people for their work. Set up your day. Put out the fires ahead of time. For every minute you invest in a huddle, you're going to save five or ten at the end of the day. And every single day you don't huddle with your team, you get home later than you have to every single day you don't huddle with your team you get home later than you have to i can say that with all confidence but why don't you huddle you why don't you huddle because we're too what harry too busy i yep. say that's that's incredible a
0: i hope folks are listening i hope folks recognize that they can apply this in their daily practice in their daily lives so we've we've covered um trust we've cut co- we've been touching on relationships we've been touching on communication connecting all of the DNA of what we're really doing here. Right. And so uh, I'd like to ask you, how can folks follow up with you? If they're interested in following up with you, learning about the uh, trainings, the incredible trainings you have online, the uh, trainings you do, will be doing live down the road. You've got an incredible podcast. How can folks follow up with you?
1: Well, our home website since 2010 is is thehappymd.com. So put T-H-E on the front, thehappymd.com. Otherwise you go to a porn site and we wouldn't want that. And one of the things we learned a long time ago, I started as an individual one-on-one burnout coach for physicians, but we realized real quick that you cannot separate burnout and leadership. So we also have a three-day retreat and an eight-week follow-up series called the Quadruple Aim Physician Leadership Retreat, where we teach you three levels of leadership skills to be an effective wellness champion inside your organization because one of the things that needs to happen now that organizations employ large groups of doctors is we need to know how to take better care of our physicians amen this is where you learn how to do that and serve in that function a wellness leader inside your organization outstanding all right folks so name of the website again dyke the
0: all right Dr. Dyke Drummond, thank you so much for being on the show. It is a great honor and pleasure to be able to connect with you this way. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for for inviting me. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, rate, or leave a review about the show on your favorite platform and learn how to support the podcast as a patron at swifthealthcare.com, where you can also find the show notes and all of our episodes. Thanks for joining us.